Um, as Matt was talking about Wednesday night this week at 6.30, again, you all are invited to come. You should all show up. You need to do two things. You need to bring a lawn chair because we're going to have some fire pits out. Thank you. We have some fire pits outside. So we're going to have these fire pits. Gonna have, uh, we're going we're gonna to provide a bunch of soup because it's probably going to be cold. So we're going to like all these soups. And you guys bring something to share, like uh, cookies, always, uh, or bread or something like that, and then something to drink, okay? Bring something to drink, maybe like a two-liter bottle or something. We'll have some ice and some cups and stuff like that. But we're just going to get together. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, we had a, like, this is, Becky Tamar calls this baby palooza right now because we are just having babies left and right right now. Mike and Michelle Sullivan, they come to second service usually. If you're ever on the prayer list, she's the lady. If you're on the prayer list, you usually got the prayer stuff from. Uh, Michelle Sullivan and Mike, her husband, had their baby this, uh, this weekend. And his name is Matthew Robert, and they had him up in slow. Uh, Sean and Kara had their baby. And, yeah, his, his name is Hurley Carter. And I keep calling him Carter for some reason. Actually, I call him Sarsaparilla because Sarsaparilla Jones just sounds so cool. Oh, so, so this is Sean and Kara's baby, okay? Which one? I, now, I, I don't know why. Uh, this, this is how tall Sean is, okay? It's like I got the Facebook photo. You know? It's like aiming down at me or something. And, but this, here, here's the daddy with the baby. And this is, and Kara's back there. She's like, don't take a picture of me. <laughs> New mom, they just glow. But so, so Sean, Sean actually texted me after the baby came. He's like, he's so rad. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Nursery is not big enough here. Um, next week, uh, just to let you know, we're, we're starting to decorate for Christmas. We're going to put a tree in the back. And this tree is for you to come and put an ornament on. So if you have like a, a picture of your kid wrapped in macaroni, I don't care how ugly it is, this is going to be community tree. You bring in an ornament of some sort for you, and this is going to be our tree, okay? It can be the most ugliest tree you've ever seen. It'll be our tree, all right? So bring, bring an ornament, something, put it on there. Maybe you got a little piece of garland or I don't know. Hopefully some kids won't choke on and stuff like that. All right, why don't you guys stay out there reading God's Word. This is Proverbs chapter 14, verse 22, and it says this, uh, Do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that we'd be a people who learn how to plan, and that understanding that that planning is actually biblical and it is good, that the practical and spiritual sides of our lives are to go together for us to form a whole. And I ask that we, as your people, would live the way that you call us to live in this. Amen. Have a seat. So we are doing a series called Stuff. I normally like to just go through books of the Bible. Like in January, we're going to start the book of Ephesians. Uh, but this whole idea of stuff, it, we're going over money and your stuff. It, I know it's the most popular subject ever in the history of the Christian church. But we're doing this for two reasons. One, the current state of the economy. And number two, uh, that Christmas is around the corner. Uh, actually, right now, the average person this year will spend $1,000 on Christmas, whether that's presents and traveling or just presents altogether, five or $1,000. Most of us don't actually have that. The, you might even be told this year that you need to spend more money to help fix the economy. 
So we are going to do, like I said, the series on stuff. The first week we talked about how everything is God's. And we have to see that everything is God's because it makes our perspective on our money or God's money actually a lot better. Last week we talked about work and that work is what you do, that God works hard and God works well. And that, and that work, uh, if, if, you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that's your work. If you're a student, you know, that also would be your work. I know you're not getting paid, you're paying, but you know, that's how that works. That's your work. If you are uh, somebody who is maybe even out of work, you've lost your job. You know what, maybe your work is trying to find a job, you know, and that, and that is your work. So there, there's all kinds of things that go into this idea of what work is. Uh, work is what you do. Uh, this week we are also going to be very practical. Again, you may walk out of here today and go, man, that wasn't very spiritual. It's very practical and that means it is very spiritual. We're going to be discussing saving and planning today. You're like, What? Yes, in church, it sounds like a seminar. It just could be. First uh, John uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 tells us that man essentially falls into sin in three ways. He calls this the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. The lust of the flesh is like this. It's certain things taste good. Certain things feel good. And it's not that pleasure is bad, but all of a sudden these things can begin to lead you into certain areas of sin. There is the lust of the eyes. We get bombarded with ads all of the time. You know, you, you drive down the road, you, you can't get past billboards or you, your mailbox, you get junk mail, you get email junk mail. Maybe your neighbor has their car wrapped in one of those funky ads, you know, like buy whatever and their car's wrapped in it and you, you just can't get away from it. There's what's called the boastful pride of life. This is where we like to show other people our stuff and that it's better than their stuff. Have you seen my cards? Not mine, obviously, but maybe yours, you know, whatever. You know? And if you don't keep your, your pride and your flesh and your eyes in check, you can get into a very deep hole. That is where America essentially is today. I mean, we had a great run. We had home ownership, you know, stocks, investments. You would have thought, you know, that there would be people who stowed some stuff away to pay off their debts and get ready for these lean times. That our government would have paid down some of its debt. No, you know, it d- didn't happen. And what happens is this trickles now down all the way to college students and young families and everybody is having a hard time making ends meet and no one actually does a budget. Most of the couples I talk to for premarital counseling, everyone's like, a budget? What's that? And, I, and I'm always emailing out budget worksheets so people can learn how to do budgets. Budgets are actually very biblical. And I'll give you this, when we, when we talk about saving and investing in money, the answer is not necessarily more money. Every person I ever talk to think the answer is more money. If I had about 10% more, that, that'd be it. I, I am not saying it's wrong to get more money. I have a friend, his name is Corey. I think he needs to get married and he needs a little more money. Okay? And so he needs to get a little bit more money to do that. But if you get more money and you don't actually have wisdom, which is what Proverbs talks about, you won't get money correctly. If you, if you get to choose to, not that you can, but if you could choose, you should always choose wisdom. Because if you're wise, you can always make more money. But if you get money and don't have a whole lot of wisdom, you will then lose your money. So this morning, as I talked to you about this, I am not the example. I am in the same boat as you are. I'm not saying, look at me, I'm so great at it. When I talk to you, I am talking to me as well. Okay, we're all in the same boat as we do this. So very practical sense. From Proverbs, what are some things about financial wisdom? Number one is this. Uh, know the difference between a liability and an asset. A liability and an asset. Most of us probably were taught this in school, but we never actually learned this in school because we don't pay attention. We need assets. Biblically, uh, I'll make this simple. A liability is what takes money out of your pocket, and an asset is what puts money into your pocket. Real estate, jobs, stocks that actually earn a profit, okay, those are assets. If you buy a new car, is that a liability or an asset? Liability. That is a liability. If you have an old car, is that a liability or an asset? 
Depends on how old it is, right? If it's really old, it could be an asset. If it's just an old cart, probably liability because you're driving it and you may not stop the next time you want to stop. If you drive a new car off the lot, I mean, you lose 15, 20% right by driving it off the lot. So I'll give you a little story about this just to bring it down. I'll give you a story. His name's Patrick Collier. Patrick Collier and his fiancée, Sandy Fabian. There they are, okay? Uh, this is back from 2001. Uh, this is the example. They, they live the American dream, and that American dream is you go into McDonald's and you get the Magic McMuffin and you win a million dollars, okay? That's the dream that, that they have won. I mean, even if you don't believe in Jesus, you'd be like, praise God, I won a million dollars. This is wonderful, okay? Now, Patrick uh, is, I, I'm not, well, I guess I am picking on him, but Patrick is not a Bible guy, and he thinks he needs more money and not more wisdom, but without wisdom, he's going to be in very bad shape. This is how the newspaper article talks about it. It says, a few months ago, Patrick Collier, 35, and his fiancée, Sandy Fabian, were sleeping on cardboard boxes, homeless temporary laborers, scratching out a hard scrabble existence at $50 a day. That's when they actually decided to go to work. Now, my first thing with this is, uh, how'd this guy get a fiancée? Okay, that's, that, that's a, I know I sound hard-hearted, whatever, you know, that's a sermon in its own, ladies, but if a guy comes to you and says, hey, you want to sleep in a box and make 50 bucks a day, you say, no, no, okay. so Patrick, he must be a very smooth talker, you know, gets this whole thing kind of figured out, and I'm sure at 50 bucks a day, Patrick says, I need more money, just like you and I would say, we, we need more money, so here's the article, it says, now though, he's a millionaire, it says, thank God for that sausage and cheese McMuffin, so he gets a million dollars. You know, hallelujah, praise God. What's he going to do with it? Because money without wisdom is an opportunity for foolishness. Money needs wisdom. If you get a million dollars, do you get a million dollars? No, you get about $600,000. So what should Patrick do? Should he get liability or should he get assets? Assets. What would we do? Liabilities. <laughs> he gets liabilities also. Uh, this is what he says. I'm getting a Harley and a couple houses. And one for me, he always said he would buy me a house, added his mother. So do you see what's going on here? I mean, it's, it's like, you know, they're living in a box. He gets a million dollars, and he says, I want a Harley. And his fiance says, I want a couple houses. And his mama says, me too. Can you even do that on $600,000? No. The, the average home in Santa Maria today ends up being, I think, a little less than $300,000 right now. Uh, I talked to one of the Harley guys last week, and they said you can get a Harley from anywhere between $7,500 and like $50,000. So we'll take, we'll say like $30, like middle of the road, okay? We're going to go 30 with that. I mean, can, can you do three houses in a Harley? Can you do two houses in a Harley? No, not at all. Yeah, that's, that's the deal. If Patrick invested his money, though, I'm going to make math easy. Numbers do not work like this today, and so I know that. Don't tell me they don't work. I know they don't work. But if he could find a 10% rate, if he find like a really great financial guy, you know, uh, that's $60,000 a year if he just put it into some type of money market savings account. That's a lot better than 50 bucks a day. Right? Uh, at, at 3% with $600,000, it's actually very doable today, 3%. That's $18,000 a year. $18,000 a year. So, you know, what does his fiance want? And you knew this was coming. She wants NASCAR tickets to see her favorite, Dale Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, you knew NASCAR is going to be in here somewhere, right? It's, it's just got to be. And now she's engaged, and she also wants a custom-made ring. So he wants three houses, a Harley, NASCAR, custom-made ring, and to meet Dale Jarrett. Now, if he gets this, can he even maintain his liabilities? I mean, he's, he's going right, to have property taxes and utilities and got to put gas in the Harley. He, do, he does have an investment strategy. At the end of the article, it says, I'll invest in a couple, no, 30 shares of Budweiser. 
There's no way I can lose money there. Shoot, 50 shares and I should own the company, he said, tipping back Bud Light number nine of the afternoon, which is probably how he got into the cardboard box making 50 bucks a day. <laughs> NASCAR Budweiser. Okay. He needs to be reading scripture. He needs to understand wisdom. He's already got his money spent. Now, if you have a Bible, open to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. Wisdom says take the investment road. You pay off your debts first. And then you invest, you get assets. That's what we're going to talk about. Very practical today because Christianity is always practical. In Proverbs, wisdom is seen as an elegant woman. Proverbs 18, verse 7, Proverbs 8, verse 17, sorry, verse, chapter 8, verse 17, talks about wisdom and she speaks like this. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasures full. Now turn over one chapter to uh, chapter 9, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. What you'll see is that wisdom leads to wealth, whether it's monetary or in other ways in your, wife, in, in your life. Solomon had a lot of wisdom and he was rich. Foolish men tend to never be rich. And if they are, it's for a very short season. Proverbs 17, verse 16 says, Of what use is money in the hands of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom? Most of the time, we do not need more money. We need more wisdom. The principle is wisdom first, money second. Proverbs is a great book on practical wealth and investment. And if you ever read where it talks about money, you should circle it and highlight it and come back to it often. So first you have to have wisdom, then you get money. And you know your difference between a liability and an asset. And then what you do is you deal with your gross income. Okay? This is all the streams of money coming to you. Deal with number two, deal with your gross income. This is jobs, stocks, inheritance, real estate. And you figure that out and you subtract two obligations, Romans uh, 13.7 says, Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So taxes and giving to God, those two things. Proverbs 3.9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. So you give to the government and you give to God, and then you have your net income. Just making more money without some deductions sometimes doesn't help because you'll get bumped up in tax brackets. There are some mothers who actually decide to go back to work and they end up being worse off because now they've got to pay for daycare and they get higher taxes. I'm not saying all moms who do that, but you know, sometimes that's actually what happens. If you increase your gross, you legally need to reduce the other income that the government can tax you on. If you are single, okay, legally, okay, if you are single and, and, you, don't, and you don't give to, to a church, you don't invest in IRAs or things like that, you don't have maybe a college savings account for the kids you don't even have yet, the government will come and they will take it all away from you. That's what, that's what government does. So you've got to find a, a wise place to put this. Real estate, college savings. Consider your living expenses, your legitimate liabilities, your food, clothing, investments, savings. You, you must understand this. In Proverbs, the goal is never to get rich. It is always to honor God. It is always to honor God. And you never worry about the shortcut. You go slow and steady, wins the race. That's how it works. Part of the United States of America's problem that we ran into is everyone was trying to get rich off of everybody else. It is good to work hard and smart, but not when it hurts your friends and family. If you're never home for dinner, you don't spend any time with your kids, there's something wrong with that. And you don't sin to make more money. If you, if you did, that would be unrighteous rich. And last week we talked about the unrighteous rich and the righteous rich, and the unrighteous poor and the righteous poor. You either want to be righteous poor or righteous rich. You want to be one of those two things. Proverbs 23, verse 4, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Your goal is not to get rich, it is to honor God. 
If you have kids, you may not need to take that promotion if it will take you away from your family more. Number three, make a budget. See, very practical, right? Very practical. Number three, make a budget. Many Christians are like, oh, budgeting is not in the Bible. You know, what's over that? Of course it is. Jesus talks about a guy going to build a tower and not having enough money to finish it, about a king going off to war and not considering the cost. These are all about budgets. Proverbs 21, verse 5, The plans of the diligently to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. It is okay to try to plan to increase your family household wealth. Planning equals budget. Proverbs 15, 22, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So if you've never learned to budget, you get some help. If you're in debt, you meet with someone to make a plan. You get some, get some counsel. If you don't know anybody like that, talk to us. We will connect you with somebody that can help you to do those things. Someone who is wiser and actually good with their money, which may not actually be me. Maybe somebody else. You, know? well, you get wisdom so you can get out of that hole that you are in. Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do. That means you bring these plans before God and ask for wisdom. Because a budget without God's blessing is not going to work. Proverbs 15:21. Folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course. This means when you set a budget, you stick to your budget. You stick to it. You reconcile your bank account and your credit cards, and you watch out for the impulse buy. When you pull up to the gas station and the card reader's busted, so you hand the card inside and you fill up and you go back in and you're like, oh, two packs of gum and, and some chips and a Red Bull, you know, and all, oh, you just add 15 bucks to your gas bill. Watch out for the impulse buy because it ruins your budget. Uh, our society has set it up. You can get anything you want instantly, and that can be a bad thing. I mean, with the computer, you can get a spouse, you can get real estate, you can get sex, you can furnish your home, you can get groceries, anything like three days or less. Boom, here, ding dong. Hi, I'm your wife. You know, it's kind of crazy. You must stick to your course. You've got to stick to your course or you will find yourself on Swoopo or eBay buying a samurai sword for 100 bucks, thinking it's worth 150 and you're like, oh, look, i got an asset. No, you got a liability because you don't even know how to use it. And if you did, it would be terrible. You know, and we do this all the time. It's like, oh, I just saved 30 bucks. No, you spent 400 on something you maybe didn't need, but maybe you did, I don't know. Proverbs 13, 18. He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame. The impulse buy will kill you. That's why I don't carry cash in my pocket. Cash is like free money. Okay? If I have cash in my pocket, I'm just like, what is that? Oh, I'll buy that. You could be pulling a piece of junk out of the back of your car to go throw away. I'd be like, what is that? You'd be like, oh, it's a piece of Oh, I'll buy it. I got cash. It's free money. So I don't carry cash because I just spend it on crazy stuff. Never carry cash. It's, it's, it's my downfall, you know? The impulse buy kills you, don't carry cash. Uh, some coffee. Maybe some of you guys, if you have like cash on you, you'll be like, oh, I'll just go buy coffee today because, uh, oh, you know, I'm not saying buying coffee is bad. I'm just, you know, or, you know, some, I'm not going to pick on women, maybe a little bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sometimes when a new store opens, I hear women, sometimes my wife, talk like, you know, oh, I wonder what's in that new store. We should go check it out. I'll tell you what's in that new store the devil. <laughs> Devil's in that store. That's what's in there. That's why you don't go to the mall for recreation, okay? <laughs> scripture's practical. See, Scripture's very practical. Number four, you figure out your expenses. You figure out your expenses. These are your, your legitimate liabilities. The first one of these is usually always housing, okay? Housing is 25 to 40% typically of your income. If you decide to buy a house less than 20% down, you get principal mortgage insurance. But all these things actually go together to make benefits because you can, if, you, if you have a home loan, you get to write off all the interest you pay in the year off of your taxes. It's wonderful until that gets taken away from us. But for now, it's, it's awesome. If you have a fixed rate, you're fixed and you're locked in, and you know what that is every month. I was talking to my wife about this this week. I, 
about she likes to nest. My wife really likes to nest. And every time I tell her we're going to move, she's like, I don't want to move. I don't want to pack. I want to stay here. I, I like this. You know, so, you know, if you can buy a home, buy a home. It, it's a good thing. My friend Matt bought, bought a house or a, a condo recently. And he's living like on rice and beans is what he said he's living on. I don't believe him. But, you know, he's, and so he's like, I, I got a house. And I'll tell you, a lot of movies and stuff will say, oh, girls like, like the bad boys. A lot of women actually want a stable home. You know, so, I mean, guys, if you can somehow get around to it and, and get a house, get a house. A lot of women are like, hey, that dude's got a house. He's got things going on. It makes you sexy, you know. Okay. In Santa Maria, Santa Maria, again, the average home is a little less than $300,000 right now, depending on where you want to live. But, but a home can be a good investment, but it's more about stability and longevity because at least you own your house. In 2008, uh, the, the home ownership rate, the statistics were 67.5% of everybody owned their home. That's the highest since 1890. Now, obviously in 2009 that has actually dropped. 81% uh, of married people in 2008 owned their own homes. Again, that statistic has now dropped this year. But if there is any way you could eke out a, a scrabble existence and buy a house, this is probably about the time to do it. Because this is where you get in and, and things actually work. Uh, and so you look at certain things. You know, certain jobs offer discounts. If you're a teacher, see, see how practical I am this morning, by the way? See, if you're a teacher, uh, you can get certain home loan rates that are cheaper. My wife works at the hospital. In CHW, we actually get 7% off of our AT&T bill because she works at the hospital. Like, wow. So you look for those things. Try and find those things. Uh, so housing, food, and transportation, these are big expenses because uh, you can't actually eat money, so you actually have to buy food. If you're going out to eat all the time, that's a lot of money. If you're at a job and you got a $5,000 a year raise, well, the government's going to take about 1000 of it, but then if you decide, i got a raise, I'm not eating peanut butter and jelly anymore, I'm going to go out to lunch. That's like two to $3,000 a year, actually. Uh, if you're going to get coffee every day because you've got to self-medicate because I'm working longer, that's like another $1,000 a year, and your whole raise is gone with hamburgers and coffee. Okay? Now, is, is hamburgers, hamburgers and coffee a sin? No, not at all. But can you reduce your food cost? Yes, yes. I, mean, I, I, a lot of some people have like, like, two, three kids, and they go out to dinner. I'm just like, man, I have to mortgage a house to do that these days because it's a ton of money. Uh, if you're a parent and you have kids and they and they like juice, you know that juice boxes cost five times more per ounce than actually mixing your juice from concentrate. You got to do the hard work of stirring water. I know, but you know it's you, you save a lot of money doing that. Making food versus prepackaged food. I, this, uh, I had this Mexican couple ladies that I know, and they taught me how to make enchiladas. And so Friday, like two hours from scratch, like I blend up the chilies and the, I do everything from scratch except for make the tortillas, obviously. And I, and I made enchiladas, you know, from scratch. And I'll, and I'll have... <laughs> that wasn't the... And I will, I will have lunch all week because I made enchiladas on Friday from scratch. I just want you to know that from scratch. <laughs> Food can be a huge savings. Uh, automobiles, you know, one, one car is expensive, two is just terrible, but you got to have a car, okay, in our society. Cars last a long time. If you take care of them, about 200,000 miles a car will last you before it starts actually falling apart. So you find ways to keep the maintenance going inexpensively. Uh, we have a guy named Greg Phillips that's going to be doing a car care thing. And if, you are, if you're like a single mom or you're older and you, or you don't know how to change your oil and stuff like that, we're actually going to change your oil for you if you're, if you're a dude and you don't know how to change oil or air filters and stuff like that, we're going to do a little seminar and teach you how to be able to do that, and then you can help these women change their oil as well, which is if there's a single cute woman, she'll be like, hey, this guy's changing my oil. You'll be like, yes. So, <laughs> just helping you out as best we can, okay? But in our, so, so you keep your car going, but in our, our problem is our society, cars are not just about transportation. They're about status symbols. And you know, are you a Toyota or you're a BMW? I'm too good for the Datsun. 
You know, this is, I'm a good Reformed theology guy, you know, and, and I realize that I am wicked and anything is better than my sin, so you just drive whatever you got. That's how it works. Uh, honestly, if you, if you have people in your life that will judge you because of the type of car you drive, you need better friends. You need better friends. Uh, I, if you want to buy a car, you should probably look to your friends first. I mean, I hate selling cars to friends because if something breaks down, I think it's my fault and I've got to fix it. Uh, but at least from your friends, you know how they've driven their car, well, which may mean you shouldn't buy a car from your friend. But you, you know where it's been and what's happened. You, you buy a car on a lot, you, you never really know, especially when it says, you know, as is, no warranty. You just, you know, if you sell a car to your mom, you should be the least likely person to jack your mom selling her a car or your mom to you, whatever way that goes. Uh, just a little side thing. For me, my, my motto when my wife drives is not so much necessarily economy, it's more victory. Because if she gets in an accident, I want her to come home. To me, you know, so I we got her this outlook, this Saturn outlook, which I know I bought it new. I'm stupid. I know Saturn's not even around anymore. I'm, I'm crazy and stupid. But I like the warranty when we bought it. But I wanted a car that hold lots of people that if she got in an accident, she'd be okay. <laughs> you know, oh, sorry, I ran over your car, but my wife's coming home to me. That's that's what's important. Uh, and, and, and also, if I drove it, I wanted to look manly because you don't know what's in the back. Could be kids, could be guns. You don't know. <laughs> so, that's how that works. Uh, two most frequently stolen brands of cars are Hondas and Toyotas. Why not the Beamer? Because they park those in the garage. Okay? <laughs> Hondas are parked on the street, so they get stolen more often, which means you get insurance. Number five, uh, pay off your debts. Pay off your debts. Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich will over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So if you owe someone money, they own you. They own you. So you get out of debt, especially credit card debt. This is just the worst. Women 21 to 34 years old, most likely to have credit card debt. You win. Yay. Okay. You got something. If you go through college, what begins to, after you graduate, it starts to hit your, your mailbox are these credit card applications. 3.9%. And we believe that people don't lie. You know, oh, it's 0% for this long, and you want it. They all lie. Okay. I had this one card, 0%. I got my, it was like 29%. I'm like, what's up with that? If, if you keep a balance on a credit card and you go out to eat, you are then paying off that meal that you paid for on your credit card for like five years. It's crazy. It is crazy. You know, uh, that's why they make the type so small. Uh, if, you, if you have school loans, sometimes I have couples come in for premarital counseling and, you know, she's got like $40,000 of school loans. He's got like 50, that's like $90,000 of debt. But we never even think about that because it's all plastic. It's on paper. We never saw it. It didn't really even pass through our hands. It, it, credit gets very dangerous sometimes. You know, if you have a credit card you carry a balance on and you're buying like pizza and beer and Cheetos, those are not investments. Okay? Those, those are liabilities. And now credit cards are not evil. I have a credit card and I put everything I buy on it, everything. And I have a little budget booklet where we figure out how much we're going to spend on each thing during the month. We put the money in there so my credit card bill comes. We pull the money out and we pay for that. But I put everything on this credit card because I get 3% back, cash back. And if I can hold off and actually get $200 in there, they give me an extra 50 That's like 20 30%. It's, it's extra money. <laughs> it's numbers. I don't know the numbers, but, but that's how it works. It's great. You know, so credit cards are not bad if you can use them correctly. Number six, you get insurance. If you're a renter, you get renter's insurance. I had someone break into my office once and break a guitar. I got a new guitar out of the deal, which actually paid for the renter's insurance for like five years. It was wonderful. Uh, if, if you are married, you should get life insurance. So that if, some, God forbid, something happens to you, your spouse is okay, they're taken care of, and they can pay off a lot of the debts and they can actually live. Uh, number seven, work on your savings. This is actually very, very important in scriptures, working on your savings. The Bible uses the example of ants in Proverbs 6, 8. It says, it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. 
bit by bit, ants will build their stockpile for lean times. If you look in the Old Testament book of Genesis, Joseph did this. And the famine's coming, so Joseph is saving and saving and saving. So when the famine comes, he saves the entire country because he's saving. Uh, you and I should work towards three to six months of living expenses readily available in our savings. Now, I know that is hard to do. Uh, it, believe me, I'm not saying tomorrow go out and do it because most of you probably can't. But that is the goal to actually work towards, especially in our economy when something happens like is what our economy is going through. Three to six months of living expenses. Uh, and this is, you don't put it into a checking account where you get no interest. You put it someplace you can get to it, but actually makes a little bit of interest. And if there's an emergency, you can take money out. You don't throw it on a credit card where you just jammed the hilt. Uh, I try and have two savings accounts, one's for emergencies and then one's for like large items that my wife and I want to purchase. Uh, a few years ago, we started doing this. We got our income taxes back, and, and I got a TV one year. She got a washer and dryer one year with like a front-loading thing. There, you sit, you don't need a TV. Just watch that. It's so awesome looking. Uh, and then the last few years, uh, she, we knew she was going to start going to school full-time, so we started saving. And so now she's going to school full-time, and we're living a little bit off our savings as well. So you put it somewhere. S savings also includes investments. Uh, scripture speaks very highly of women when it comes to this. Proverbs 31 says a woman who loves God, she considers real estate. She deals in commodities. And 2009, this would be like 401ks and mutual funds. And, you know, sexy woman is a woman that reads a stock page and understands it. You know, it's <laughs> Proverbs 13.22 says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That is a very good goal. And goals are good. If you don't have a goal, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, you know, so it's a goal. To pay for your kid's college or help them buy a house, help pay for your grandkids' college, that thing. People tend to make their most money in their 50s and 60s and have the least amount of debt. People in their 20s have the most amount of debt and make the least. You know, they're starting a family. They're, they're buying a house. And so grandparents should help you know, alleviate that for some of their grandkids. That is biblical wisdom. Foolish societies put bumper stickers on their cars that say, I'm spending my kids' inheritance. That's a mockery to Scripture. That's a mockery to God. It's not how much money you make. It is how much money you give to God and how to keep that money also in the hands of your kids as a lasting legacy. Okay? Wealth in Proverbs is never just money. It is giving to God and it is the generations that come after you. It is building a new world. Uh, Proverbs 27, 23. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. But money can be lost. So what you do is you try to give your kids wisdom. You show them how to keep an eye on investments. You, you know, you, if, if you give them money for doing chores, like 10 bucks, you know, when they're little kids, here's 10 bucks. And so you go out and you're like, so let's, let's give a buck to God. Let's put a couple bucks in savings, and here's $7, and go get your liabilities. You know, <laughs> I'm... Sort of kidding. You know, you keep an eye, you help them learn. Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Get rich quick schemes go bad all the time, little by little. If you are young in this room, listen to me. Numbers will not always work this way, uh, but if you can find a, a good investment, if, if you can save, 20, if you're 20 years old and you can save 50 bucks a week, 50 bucks a week, and you can get somewhere between 6 to 8% interest, at age 65, you could have a million dollars. It won't be as worth as much as it is today, but you could be a millionaire. You know, it may be like being a ten dollar that day, but you know, it's it'd be a millionaire. Uh, there are some people, about ten percent of people, that actually don't need to make a budget because they're so stingy and greedy. They never spend anything, and that's actually a sin too. Proverbs twenty three verses six and seven says, "Do not eat the food of a stingy man. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the kind of man who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink," he says to you, but his heart is not with you. 
This is the guy who has to invite you guys out to dinner, and all the time he's just doing the math in his head. How much is this going to cost me? What's this going to cost me? Girls, if you're dating a guy and, and he's stingy, stop dating him. How do you tell? First date, you're going Dutch. Okay? The guy should take, ask you out, he should take you out. Amen. Okay. Proverbs, <laughs> Proverbs 11.24. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Yes, you can be very generous when you are good with your money. You don't be stingy. Stingy means you're not good with money. Proverbs 15.27. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. This is the Christmas Scrooge who's always getting money in a wicked way. These are the people you hate going to dinner with because, you know, the, the check comes and they cut it down and you're wasting half an hour of your time. And they're like, hold on, hold on, this percentage goes here, you know. I used to have this friend we go out to eat with, and uh, they get a bill, and it was like, you know, $15.97. They put $16 on the table. Yeah. And so I'm always, and we're always pulling money out and throwing it on the table so that the waitress, so I'm not a bad witness, so the waitress actually gets a tip. You learn how to be generous. Save. Uh, again, if you got coffee every day, went to lunch every day, smoked a pack of cigarettes every day, that'd be $10,000 a year you could save. Ten grand. Proverbs 21, that's almost a, like, almost a house. Proverbs 21, 17. He who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will never be rich. Now, is it a sin to spend some money on yourself? No, not at all. No, pleasure comes from the hand of God. It's part of the reason why you have money, so you can enjoy it. But when you blow every bit of it on yourself and you're always in debt, that brings enormous trouble. If you play the lotto, Proverbs 19, verse 4, wealth brings many friends, but a poor man's friends desert him. If you get rich, you get lots of friends very quick. Oh, he's buying. Let's hang out with him. All of a sudden, you get, you get a posse. But they all desert you when that's gone. You know who your friends are when you're broke. You know who your friends are because they don't want anything from you when you're poor. Um, Guys, this is for you. Uh, Proverbs 31.3, do not spend your strength on women. I'll give you, this is my Gilligan's Island theology, okay? There, there's, there, there's two types of women. There's the Marianne and the Ginger, okay? Marianne and Ginger. Ginger looks good, but she costs a lot, okay? She costs a lot. Marianne, Marianne is beautiful. She's a lady. She will do life with you and not take from you. Marry the Marianne. I did. And her name, and her name is Marianne, so it all just works out better, you know? Now, if you're a guy, how much money can you blow on a high-maintenance girlfriend? All of it. All of it, okay? All of it. Some girls have five boyfriends because it takes that much. You know? <laughs> Proverbs 19, verse 14 says, uh, says, A prudent wife is from God. Ladies, you know, that, that means that you learn to love God and help your husband be prudent, not stingy. You let him have a little bit of fun. Guys, it means you let her go out and get like a manicure, pedicure, whatever, whatever you know. She's pretty, she's happy, she comes home, and that, that's good for you, okay? Number eight. Number eight is my last one. Last one, you're right. Thank goodness. Number eight, know your weakness. Know your weakness. Proverbs 23, verse 5, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Again, this is why I don't carry cash. It disappears. Cash, again, is free money. I can walk down the street. There'd be some dude having a monkey that cracks open walnuts. I'd be like, I could, I could have that. I, I don't know. I don't like nuts, and, and I don't know what to do with a monkey, but hey, I got cash. You know, so I'd be walking off with the, with the monkey. You, know, you, you want to know what you spend in a month? Keep a receipt for everything. Get a receipt for everything in a month. Everything. I bought a gumball. Just write it down somewhere, 25 cents. And at the end of the month, add it up. See what you actually spend. You'll be pretty surprised at what you spend. Uh, if you can do it right, again, credit cards can be good, but you pay it off. Uh, it's, it's discipline, discipline. Uh, credit cards help to build credit, but if you have a credit card you cannot pay off, then cut it up. And stop using it. Stop using it. Uh, if you have a pocket with a hole in it and money keeps falling out of it, you should sew up the pocket. 
Okay? If, if you don't, then you're stupid. Sew it up. Figure out what your weakness is. You've got to know what your weakness is. And then lastly, you've got you to have wisdom. James 1.15 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So you pray for wisdom in all things, especially in regard to money. If you are single, you learn to plan. If you are married, learn to do this as a team. Uh, you know, if one of you is the primary breadwinner, the other one shouldn't make them feel like they're working against you by spending it all the time. You know, Scripture is very clear on these things, that you know, the husband and wife, they're supposed to support each other, that you know, one's supposed to be a good manager and the other one's supposed to be a good provider, and you know, all the way down to investments for money. Scripture constantly talks about how a godly woman manages her home well because all the money actually goes through her hands. And women are going, that's right, money, my hands, my hands, that's where it goes. So, uh, again, very practical. Again, today, Scripture is very practical. You may think it's not been very spiritual. It is. It is. These are very spiritual things that God wants us to deal with because our witness is going to be shown in how we live our lives. So here we are at church. What does this have to do with Jesus and the gospel? Again, Scripture, practical to all areas of, of our lives. Money is an indicator of our heart and a chance for wisdom or folly or idolatry. The decisions you make now will affect your kids and your grandkids and your home and giving to your church and your government and your state and your nation. And we are supposed to be in this world as a light to the world and help as much as we can by managing the things that God has given us, including our money, well. Uh, giving. Giving and not draining the resources around us. Uh, you know, when, when you take an honest look at how we spend our money most of the time, you know, we realize that like all areas, other areas of our life, Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have. You know, we've even used the money that God has given us and we've sinned with it. We have robbed God of the good that he intended from what he gave us and we need to come in humble repentance and simply say, you know what, God, all I have is yours. Teach me how to worship you instead of money and give me the wisdom to do it rightly. This is, you know, as we come into Christmas, you know, this is why Jesus came here. Jesus understands. He was tempted as every way in which we were, yet he was without sin. And he will forgive us our sins so we can learn to live lives of legacy. It all comes back to Jesus and the gospel. As we go into December, it's a perfect time to remember this whole idea of good stewardship. Okay. Now, this morning, I'm going to bring you to communion, as we always do. And as we come to communion, uh, you know, you break that cracker, which reminds us of Jesus' body, which was broken for us. You dip it in the wine or the grape juice, which reminds us of Christ's blood that was shed for us to purchase us, to redeem us back. What I think is really funny as we're going through this this morning, you know, when you look at God buying us back, redeeming us, are we assets or liabilities? We're li- most of the time, we're liabilities most of the time. And, you know, so, you know, it just kind of shoots that first one out of the water. But, you know, that, but, that's, but that's what God is like with us. He knows we are liabilities. And yet he sees us as assets and he comes and he loves us and redeems us and restores us and brings us home. That's the point of communion, that God loves us even though many times, you know, it's like a three-year-old trying to help a dad fix a car. They're just total liability because they get their hands and everything and mess everything up. And that's us. And yet God loves us because he's amazing and he is good. So we're going to come here. Remember that you're a liability. God wants you to be an asset. Start living like an asset. Uh, The band's going to come up. We're going to do a few songs. And as we do these songs, uh, we're going to invite you to, to sing with us, to worship God with us. Uh, we're not just playing for you. We're actually leading you into a place where we can worship God together. Um, and as we do that, we invite you, if you want to pray where you're at and say, you know, God, how have I messed this whole thing up when, in regards to money and, and all this? You know, just give me some wisdom. I need some wisdom. So pray for that where you're at. If you, if you are totally messed up in your budget, talk to one of the deacons or elders. They'll be in the back. They'd love to pray with you and talk to you about Jesus or your financial affairs if you would like to maybe get in touch with somebody else who can help you with that. 
Uh, we're going to worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the side wall and in the very back, and we give simply because God gave so much to us, and part of our worship is giving back to Him. And we'll worship God through fellowship, and there's food in the back, and you can hang out get to know each other. And again, if you have a small group of friends that are really close to you, maybe your friends could ask you the hard question this week and say, hey, you know, how, how are you doing? How are you doing with, with your budget and, and things like that? How's it, how's it going for you? Then you can punch and be like, don't talk to me about my money. Yeah. Eric's going to come and pray for us. And as he does, again, just talk to God where you're at. Worship him where you're at. Allow him to sift through some of the hard things in your heart and make it very soft again towards him, especially in regard to your money. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Um, we thank you for the practical wisdom that you give to us through your word. And as Aaron said, Lord, uh, as we talk about our stuff, as we talk about money, it, it reflects what's going on in our hearts and, and our priorities. Um, as you're sitting there this morning, I'm sure God's speaking to, to many people. Just think about uh, the areas in your life where you know God is telling you, you know, this really needs to change. And ask him now uh, to give you the strength to, to make those changes. Father, for each heart this morning, I pray that you would be our priority. You gave everything for us. You gave your all. And I pray that we might be able to, to give our all back to you. Help each one of us, Lord, to um, take the steps that you're revealing to us, even, even now. And we ask it in Jesus' name.